If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. The talent for so many players today, the talent in the spotlight, it's taking them to heights that their character's not strong enough to support. I'm one of those set goals, chief goals. I talked about faith, passion, obviously the drive with the guys that I've been around and the guys that surround me every single day. If I want to be one of the best, I've got to play with and against the best. Okay, so that which gets praised gets repeated. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle, brought to you by PGC Basketball. Welcome to the Hardwood Hustle. This is TJ Rosine alongside Graham Maxwell. We've got a really fun topic today. We're going to talk about should you just run one type of defense? And I think this is going to be really interesting for coaches to hear. And we'll tell you why this topic came to mind in just a second. Uh, but before we get started, hey, go check out teamsnap.com forward slash PGC. We've got a deal for you, a really, really, really good deal. You're not going to find a better one anywhere else. Teamsnap.com forward slash PGC, and you are going to get a four-month free trial. So if you're organizing a team or on a team and the coach needs help being more organized, you need to pass this on, teamsnap.com for PGC, and you're going to get four months free to try it out. I promise you we had, did it with our kids. You're going to love it. Um, so it really helped organize our team and our schedules as parents. Go check it out, teamsnap.com forward slash PGC. Also, if you haven't, make sure you check out our friends over at Shot Tracker, changing the game through analytics. Just saw them out at the Final Four. Uh, they were courtside, lighting up the gym, uh, showing how analytics cool new stuff going on they're sliding the sensors inside the shirt or the jersey now you can't even tell it's there one of the coolest things i've ever seen tracks everything they do on the court go check it out at shot tracker all right graham let's jump into today um we got a really interesting topic um and really it was spurned from a um a, a an interesting tweet that I think that we read. You you don't have that by any chance, do you? I don't uh, have it up. Yeah, we were just talking about it the other day. Uh, but the four Final Four teams all ran over 90% man-to-man defense. I think, if I'm not mistaken, um, both Michigan State and Virginia were over 98%, um, and Texas Tech was probably like around 92%, and then um, who was the other team in the Final Four? Auburn, and they were around 95%, right? So 92% was the lowest amount of man-to-man defense run by any of the Final Four teams. I mean, you think about that. That's pretty astounding. 99, 99, 95, Two of the final four teams are all running man-to-man defense. Um, so what we're going to talk about is should you be running just one type of defense? And should it just be man-to-man? Should it be zone? I know we've got a lot of different top ideas on this topic, and, and uh, it really could change by a lot of different things. Could be age stage appropriate, could be gender, could be level of competition, could be um, the ability of your team. There's so many things that factor in, should you or shouldn't you. But I know we have this discussion every year as a staff. Hey, what zone are we going to put in? How much zone should we put in? Um, And uh, it's it's almost one of those things that kind of stumps us every year at the beginning of the year. And uh, and it makes us think, what should we do and how much zone should we run? Yeah, I think this is a this is a topic I feel like we might discuss in our coaches' meetings maybe weekly. You know, we, we say, oh man, we, we need we need to put in a zone or oh we need to be throwing a one three one in there or should we press up a little bit more or whatever it might be. And so this is a like you said, this is a topic we talk about all of the time and 
Um, I think one of the reasons why we tend to bring it up a little bit more is because we've played, I know there's one specific team in our conference this year um, that gave us a little bit of trouble because they changed up their man in their zone, and it, and it looked pretty similar, um, but they changed up their man in their zone against us, and our guys really just had a hard time reading it because we do like to teach our guys to play off principles as opposed to coming down and run a set every time. Um, and so because they're playing off principles, we hope that they will uh, they'll transition through the man or zone really smoothly. Um, but I think we found out we, we didn't do as great of a job teaching them how to identify very quickly what does a man look like and what does a zone look like as they changed it up on us. Yeah, yeah so it's really interesting. I mean, we always talk about ourselves about like, hey, we're going to play more zone this year. We're going to do a little bit of this. And there's a lot of interesting things like the shot clock being 30 seconds. A lot more teams are going to like a – uh, one two one one or a two two one pressure kind of not maybe Texas Tech did this a little bit in the yeah. tournament as well. Yeah. Really more just to slow uh, the roll a little bit. Texas Tech kind of started in a zone, went to man after a couple different passes. After a couple passes, I'm not sure what their read was, uh, but they were transitioning from zone to man really just to kind of slow and get the, a team out of their comfort zone. And oftentimes, one of the reasons you do run different types of defenses is to get teams out of their comfort zone. You get used to operating. It was really unique for us. I mean, I think probably 75% of what we saw in conference this year was zone, yeah. which is really unusual. And I'd say probably 85 to 90% of what we saw out of conference was man. Yeah. Uh, so it was it was really interesting for us. And it makes, I mean, it, makes it difficult for coaching-wise. You've got to be ready to attack anything and everything. And from one game to the next, what you're going to see changes. And for young kids, it's hard when they're getting really good at their man and they've got to run zone or they're getting really good at their zone. you got man. And there's always the alternative to that. There's – you know, 40 minutes of uh, zone by Syracuse, and they've won a national championship. There's a lot of uh, a lot of different ways to win the game, obviously. Um, one of the things I feel strongly about is playing a lot of man at the youth level, and we've right. talked about that on episodes before, and really just getting to help young people um, to, to learn how to play harder, to learn how to move in space, and to, to really be more active. Uh, there's more things to learn in the man uh, versus putting them in a zone. A lot of times youth goes to zone just because it's easier to teach. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're just going to put them in those spots. But what are some determining factors, Graham, in your mind of should we run man or should we run zone or should we mix it up? Or should we just stick to one type of defense? Yeah, that's. I mean, there's. I have a lot of thoughts. That The first thing I'll say is this. Another reason why I think teams at a younger age should probably – um, just teach man-to-man or just run-to-man defense, like you said, because of the principles. But I think at that age, you, you kind of form, and I know as coaches we just want to put them into their places so we're able to focus on offense and we want to see them score more points or teams might not be that good at shooting, so you put them in a zone as your chance to win. But I know when I got to college, one of the things that you said is, or one of the habits we had to break anytime we did run zone, we, you had to consciously break the habits of, hey, this isn't your, this isn't your middle school zone you know so even zone at a different level looks completely different than it does at the younger level so i would say you know if we are teaching zone at a different level uh, or at a younger age then we probably need to teach it you know at a at a higher rate as well and not just stand there with your arms up just to take up space so i think there's there's opportunities to growth if teams because i know not every team's going to play man 
right? So I think it would be useful for teams to run zone at a different level with more energy, um, trying to cover more ground as opposed to just standing there. So I just wanted to bring that up as as you were talking about as a younger age. Um, But one of the reasons why I would say, and I think even this year I was a big believer, is I think we need to have a... Um, a joker or a different card in our back pocket because um, as the year went on teams tended to figure us out a little bit you know and so I think it I was always of the mindset and we had so many discussions about this it would be good to throw something else out there Um, and we were struggling early on I think one of the things that teams weren't really ready for is after every free throw we went zone we dropped back into a you know a three-quarter court, um, like one two two into a two three, um, and, and we made that decision. You know I don't feel like we were great at it, but I don't feel like teams were very prepared for it either. Um, and so there is that there is that mindset of we're not sure what's coming that can cause a little bit of confusion. So that is why I would say it is important to occasionally change it up just so teams aren't that prepared um, to see you so they know exactly what's going to come. Yeah, you know, there's always two sides to the coin, you know what I mean? If you were to ask Virginia why they played 99% man, they'd say, hey, look, we just wanted to focus on one thing and be great at one thing, you know? And so they were great at one thing. We played over 90% man uh, this year, our our own team. And so it's like there's, there's always the other side of the coin. And even if you're not just thinking about defenses, I think it's really easy for coaches to get in a room and talk about, hey, let's do this and let's do this. And the one thing that's for sure is it's very hard to be good at everything. I mean, AKA, I think people gave, you know, Virginia a hard time about their offense or Texas Tech and they're all, you know, like, it, it is not easy to be great on the offensive end and great on the defensive end. And as much as people didn't like maybe the style Virginia played on offense, you know, one thing they don't know is they also rated out excellent on the offensive end. Um, they shot a high percentage of just a field goal percentage was really good. It may not have been the most aesthetically pleasing thing to watch, but it was still really efficient offense that they ran um, over in, as, as well as Texas Tech. And so it, maybe Auburn may have been a little bit more fun to watch with their guards and how they scat and how they shot the three ball and all that kind of stuff um, but they were still efficient but there's always a flip side to it like it's just not that easy to say let's just throw in zone and mix it up well I, you know we've done that before we just throw in zone and mix it up and we end up spending a lot of time trying to teach them a zone or we just put it together and throw it out there and then we realize wow they're not any good at it and so then we got to spend more time teaching it so you can't just you, you can't just break down your team and say, you know what, let's run in transition, let's shoot the three, let's go into the post, and by the way, let's play man-to-man defense down here, let's press sometimes on dead balls and play a little bit of zone. Like <laughs> these four teams that went into the Final Four, they didn't they didn't run barely any zone. When you think about ninety nine percent, you know that's that's almost every single possession over the course of the year. Yeah. I mean, that could even be synergy messing up, and they just thought it was zone one time, you know. Yeah. But ninety two, ninety three percent. That means every time the other team has that. That means you're basically running one or two possessions every two to three games yeah. of zone. So the teams that made it to the final four, they decided to be great at one thing. Um, and I, you know, what you said earlier is like we were figuring. Some people figured us out. Uh, man and we had to adjust a little bit i don't know if that was as much we just needed to stay up with the curve and adjust our man we needed to fix things we need to guard this ball screen differently you know people are watching film on you and you know you're hedging the ball, ball screen really high and then some team is really good at slipping it and another team maybe and they were taking advantage of something we were doing and not all the time is the answer just to go run zone maybe it's just to get better at what you're doing and i think that's what these four teams chose to do is not throw something else out there. They chose to figure out how to get better in their man. Exactly. I, I think to your point as well, 
Um, an example of that would be, uh, and I can't remember exactly which game it was. It may have been the championship game, um, but Virginia, you know, there was a couple times in each game they got out to a lead and then the other team fought back. But I believe it was going into the half of the championship game where um, they were Texas Tech was taking advantage of Virginia, you know, hard hedging the ball screen. And one of the things that I mentioned to you the day after, I was like, man, I was just, I was blown away by like Tony Bennett's, just his demeanor. Like he, he was not like rattled. He was not frustrated. They scored maybe six to eight points in a row to get back into the game. And he wasn't rattled, you know, and then and, and at halftime, he mentioned, you know, we just got to close out better. He, he was saying the things they got to do better. I'm sure he was preaching those same things they got to do from the very first practice they had. It wasn't anything mind-blowing. It was just the very small things that I'm sure they had been preaching. It was do what day. you do better. That yeah. was the message he was yeah. sending. Just do it better. Yeah. You know, and and uh, like you're right. That's exactly the point I was making is a lot of times you're not something's not going well and the response we have it doesn't even matter if it's defense. The response we have is, "Hey, well, let's throw a wrinkle in there let's change it up let's go but many a times the answer is is just do what you do better so we're going to take a um, a quick break and we're going to get a um, communication tip of the day from our friends over at team snap thanks to our friends over at team snap for today's halftime communication tip coaches this week i'd like to challenge you to find the balance in your communication between focus and fun it has to be balanced there has to be both I think oftentimes we get caught up in the grind. We get caught up in the desire to grow and and striving for the next destination that it's focused. Our our communication is more serious toned. There's moments where that is important, obviously. But it's so critical that at moments we incorporate fun in our communication as well. Whether that's a lighthearted joke or a little comment that just kind of breaks the mood. Where right now does the pendulum swing in your communication? Are you all focused? Is it really serious? The conversations and communications over the last 24, 48 hours for you, has that been the theme or has it been more fun? Have you been able to incorporate a little fun in there? It's so important as we go through this process that we intentionally incorporate some fun so we can break things up and continue having a healthy environment around our players and our fellow coaches. Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap. Make sure you check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about the communication app being used by over 15 million people across the globe. That's TeamSnap.com backslash hustle. All right, so we're not particularly, you know, preaching run man or run zone. There's a team in our league, the team that finished second to us in our league, and um, they ran almost 100% zone, yeah. right? And they were yeah. really good at it awesome. yeah. uh, and gave us a lot of trouble um, in, in running their zone. Uh, and, and, you know, I've always felt like teams that run zone is not really the fact that they run zone. It's that they really know how to adjust the zone. Like, Beheim is really good. If he's going to take away something from you, if you go and find the other thing, the second half, you're not going to have it again. You're going to have to readjust and do something else. And the team that we played, you know, the runner-up in our conference, they did a great job of adjusting their zone and mixing it up. Um, not really mixing it up, but if we were having a success attacking somewhere, they made an adjustment and make it made us beat them somewhere else. And I, I think that's really what a good man does. You figure out how you need to stop somebody. They do something well. AK Virginia, or Virginia Texas Tech, they were um, they were every time they would dive that guy and they would help, they would skip it opposite and shoot a three. And the second half, they did a better job of when that ball was released, they were beating the ball back over with better closeouts, like you were just uh, um, alluding to. 
Now, we would prefer man. That's what we probably are most comfortable with. And we've been in the top in the league in field goal percentage defense for the last several years. And what are the advantages of running a man-to-man defense versus a zone? And then uh, what are the advantages of zone versus man? We'll talk about those two things. What, what are your thoughts on that, first of all, Graham? I think when you run a man, um, you you have more of the, the capability to kind of dictate more of the shot that the offense gets. You know, you have that. Now you can press up a little bit in zone, um, but there's just more gaps. There's more spacing um, in in the zone just naturally that the defense creates. And so people tend to um, shoot more outside shots, I would say. And so, therefore, I wouldn't say you're necessarily living like you're playing hope defense, but there is a little bit of hope, like I hope they don't make as many shots. Where my, my point of view is, man, you, can, you can't limit every three-point shot that they take or every outside shot that they take, but you can get up in them a little more. You can dictate what they run um, just a little bit more. And so that is, I would say, you know, from man to man, that would be a benefit that you have. Yeah, it seems to me a lot like, um, you know, we used to in man to man, people are shooting off the move a little bit more. Where in zone, you're shooting a little bit more stationary with your right. feet set. I always feel like you make more feet set threes. Um, but the opposite can be true sometimes too. Like you're so used to in your man coming off movement shoot that sometimes you can get stagnant in the zone. So there's there's benefit both ways in in, uh, in what you're trying to do. Here here's the thing that I think is really important. Whether it's man, you know, we we believe in man, um, but also like I said, there Lucy, there's great teams that, that run zone. What I really, the longer I coach, the one thing that I, I'm beginning to think is true, you can only choose to be great at a certain number of things. Yeah. And I don't know how, I don't know what that magic number is. I don't know if it's five or three or four or seven. You know, I don't know what the magic number is. The thing is, and the reason I don't think we've ever been great in zone is because we choose three or four things we want to be great at and then we throw it in. And right. so it's, the seventh thing. But what you have to be conscious of a coach, if you decide to be great in zone or you decide to be great at mixing up the defenses, you're going to have to sacrifice something else. You know, I, I think as as coaches, we have these conversations all the time about, well, hey, we want to be great in transition and do this. And we want to be great in the half court and do this. And we want to be great. And it's great because in, on paper, it feels like, yeah, of course you want to be great at all these things. But in reality, um, you're going to spend the most of your time on two or three or four things, and those are the things that you're going to have a chance of being great at. And part of um, mixing in and running a bunch of different things is that you might sacrifice what you do. Like Syracuse sold out to the two three; they seem to be the best at it. You know, team in our league sold out to; they were the best zone team in our league. You know, uh, we sold out to man; we seem to be probably the best man team. So you've just got to be aware, coaches, when you're choosing what you want to do and what you want to be great at it's not easy to be great at all of those things and i do think sometimes it is difficult for players to shift from zone to man because it's a different mindset from guarding an area to bumping players back to switching versus i'm not leaving my man yeah that's why sometimes i think it's hard to switch defenses yeah Two, two points I want to make here. So in, uh, in Stuff Good Players Should Know by Dick DiVenzio, you know, I think Dick has a wonderful point that um, goes right along with this. It's, um, you know, he says, teams don't typically lose for playing the wrong defense. They lose because they play that defense poorly. You know, so whether that's zone or whether that's man, you got to make a decision on really as a coach, like what's your ROI? Like what's your return on investment? What are you, do you want to, practice zone for two hours or or whatever it is an hour a day and you're only going to play two possessions of in that game like you have to decide like what is what is your roi and like like you said you can only be great 
um, at, a, at a certain number of things. And to the point of zone, why I believe in we, not saying we haven't thought of this before, but we really um, became aware of it this year um, through one of our players' coaches, longtime Division One assistant. He said, a lot of teams play zone because most people's zone offense just really isn't that good. You know, and so that can be a point to play zone um, defenses. You know, the offense isn't always fully aware. There's, I would say, there could be maybe less things to run. You kind of have to play more by principles, which in return causes us to be better teachers, which mm-hmm. isn't always the easy thing to do. Yeah, yeah. And again, there's a flip side to that coin. Um, a lot of times it's harder to be a great defensive rebounding team out of a zone. Right. You know, there's a lot of times when there could be a lack of accountability because it could have been my fault, could have been their fault. There's, I mean, there's always, and I'm not saying one is right or wrong, there's just always the other side of the coin. And I think uh, for us as coaches, it's, it's important to always look at the other side of the coin. Uh, like you just alluded to, like our zone defense may be average, but their zone offense may be below average, which means, hey, well, this may be a good thing for us to try or right. um, a good thing for us to run. And so, you know, it's it's never an easy decision. I think it, it, most of the time we've fallen back to what we know and teach best. Yeah. You know, you just kind of go to like, hey, this is what we know. This is where we have a high level of accountability and this is what we can live with. And a lot of coaches have a hard time living with one or the other. You know, I right. think for us, it's hard to live with zone sometimes because – we want a high level of accountability, yeah. you know, and yeah. we don't want somebody to be able to hide and take a break. And, you know, we, we, we pride ourselves on playing really hard and playing really tough. And sometimes we think, well, at, you know, in that zone, they can hide or they're not playing tough enough or they're not playing hard enough. Um, and so that, that, that allows us to be in our comfort zone because that's what we feel good teaching um, or coaching. And so we have to feel, if I figure out as a coach, what are you comfortable uh, teaching how much zone are you comfortable running? How much man are you comfortable running? But I do think it's important to um, to make a decision and to be passionate uh, about being really good at one or the other. You have to get to a place of complete confidence. You know, when there's so many times, and it's almost comical, like when we sit on the bench uh, in a game and, and we say like, all right, well, let's try zone. And the first possession, if they make a shot, we're like, oh, that was the worst decision in the world. Like, we got to get out of it. But we don't say those things when they score on us. They could have scored the same way against our man. But the reason why we're like, oh, it's the zone. It was the zone's fault. We, uh, they, they were able to attack the zone. We got to get out of the zone. Um, the reason is because I don't feel like we ever had complete confidence. Yeah. You know? And so that was one of those things we kind of decided we're not necessarily going to be great at it. And so going into a game, it's like, should we try zone? Where, as I said at the beginning, we went into the games when we were trying to change something up, change the flow of the game. We had made a decision. We are going to go zone. Every time there's a free throw, I think we had complete confidence in because we worked on it more. The team bought into the game plan, whereas opposed to when we were rolling, rolling in our man-to-man defense, we were kind of wanting to try out our zone. I don't think the same confidence was there. Yeah, and you know, I I think that um, one of the things that probably is um, hard for a lot of coaches to figure out is. is can I teach this well and can I live with um, certain things being done if it's not what I favor? So like you just said, if we go in and we run zone and we make a three, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I know we shouldn't. Um, and, and there may be some truth to that or may not be some truth to that, but we could live with a made three on a missed against man because we're like so-and-so didn't do this job we feel like we can fix it a little right. bit. Yeah. You know, and so I, um, yeah, I think each coach has got to almost – 
figure out what your tolerance level is. You know, how much can you do? And the other thing we have the advantage of in college is the analytics, you know, and you could see what you're doing against man, what you're doing against zone. And as a high school coach or a youth coach, you could just tally off like, ver- yeah, yeah, what happened versus man, what happened versus zone to try and tell you. And then, again, that changes game from game. It, it's it's better how much you're willing to experiment. So really interesting, you know, thought. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it, hardwood underscore hustle. But, you know, 92, 95, and 299% man-to-man defense in the final four, which is a really interesting stat. Um and it, are we overthinking it? Are we overlooking at it? Or is there a reason to it? Uh, we shared a couple episodes ago that our friend Adrian Mill shared us the interesting stat on uh, turnover ratio uh, as well. And, and that held true throughout the tournament. Uh, but, coaches, we would really love to know what you think um, about running. Should we just run one defense? Should we run multiple defense? How much you can commit to each type of defense? And why were there four teams in the Final Four with 92% or more man-to-man defense? Coincidence or not? I'd love to go back and look at previous years. Right. You know, I just saw that stat this year i wonder if last year a team was 50 50 and you know whatever or has it been kind of consistently over time mm-hmm. i mean obviously we know syracuse would probably be in their uh, occasion, in their occasion yeah. where they were in the final four and there but um yeah, thinking across the board in in a lot of college basketball i don't know that i could say who were the zone teams that played in the final four can you think of nah. and i'm sure they did i just yeah. can't think of who they are I don't know if Syracuse has made it, but I know about seven years ago in Atlanta, you know, Syracuse was there. Yeah. That was the last time I can say for sure a zone team. Louisville ran a little bit of, like, man zone pressure yeah. when they were there yeah. as well. Yeah. Jim, uh, B-Line at Michigan, they ran some zones, some of that one three one that they ran um, over time. So, anyway, it'd be interesting to know. But, hey, thanks for listening to us at the Hardwood Hustle. Interested to hear your thoughts on that. Until next time, we're out.